Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. I just wanted to jump in at the top of this episode and send a little bit of love to anyone in lockdown right now obviously just hit us here in South Australia, but I know there's been people in Victoria and New South Wales dealing with this for much longer. So use this opportunity to check in with the elderly in your world, whether that's your parents, grandparents or neighbour. Just even a five-minute phone call or conversation can really make their day and social isolation is something that can spread really easily in these kind of situations. So reach out, get in touch, look after each other and look after yourselves. I'm incredibly excited to introduce today's very first interview guest. Amanda is an amazing ex-colleague of mine who has over 12 years experience in the aged care sector. She was a really big mentor for me and her knowledge in particular about the Commonwealth Home Support Program is almost second to none. I think she's a wealth of knowledge. She has a wonderful way of sharing stories and I have no doubt that you'll get a lot from today's episode. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm not going to lie, this is the second time we've recorded this because I chose the wrong microphone the first time. So look, we're going to give this a round two. It is my pleasure. I'm always happy to discuss the Commonwealth Home Support Program. You know that. I do. I do. But I just wanted to start off and talking a bit about your background in aged care so that everyone knows what you've been up to. So I have been working in aged care for the last 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. I chose specifically chose aged care as my career when I was about 18. Mm-hmm. I did some volunteering for Meals on Wheels and I absolutely loved it. And so that led to me doing my certificate three, working in residential care, liked it, didn't necessarily love it, but loved the client interaction, loved meeting people, loved the stories, loved loved that bit. The mm-hmm. residential care environment, mm, yeah. not so much. Can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I then did a little bit with the activity as an activity assistant and then an activity coordinator at the, the residential care facility that I was working at. Really enjoyed that, but again, not quite the right fit. Then made the leap to community care. Loved it. That was about eight years ago. So I started as a community care worker and then moved into a more office-based role. So coordinated the Commonwealth Home Support Program, Veterans Home Care Services, and then moved into home care packages, which is which is where we met. So yeah. I'm now at a different organization and I manage the direct care staff. So needless to say, you are a wealth of knowledge <laughs> on all things aged care. I know you've always had a specific passion for the CHIS program too. Definitely. And Amanda was definitely the person that I turn around to 
all the time in the office and go, can you please explain this to me? Because look, the cheers program is amazing, but there's so many different complexities and nuances to it. I think as well, that it's really helpful having someone unpack that sometimes. Definitely. I I love it. And I I think it is very vastly underrated Mm -hmm. and not really well understood as well. Mm -hmm. So have any of your family members accessed aged care services? Yes. So my grandma is living with advanced now vascular dementia. So we've been through quite a journey with her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's now in residential care because she requires that level of care. But we've been through the journey of her of family trying to support, then looking to go through the My Age Care process, having some support from the Commonwealth Home Support Program, and then moving on to a home care package. So starting off on a level two. Mm-hmm. And then moving up to the level four, which was her original level of care that she was assessed for. And then following that journey as her uh, dementia progressed to residential care. So a few different touch points. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start a bit higher level then. Can you talk to me about what the CHIS program is? Sure. So it's often described as a low level program or an entry level mm-hmm. program. So you can think of it like the first step on the ladder of aged care services, of community aged care services, of residential care. This is probably the first service that you would have. You sort of come to that point where, hey, I might, I might need a little bit of help. Yeah. So it, it's very low level. It's it's not case managed or coordinated in any way. This type of service would be appropriate for you if you needed you know, one or two services, maybe an in-home service like um, your cleaning or your gardening or some allied health. Or you had a short-term acute health episode and you needed some services on a short-term basis, but the aim would be for you to recover and to go back to your previous level of function, which um, which is something that is very much a large focus of the Commonwealth Home Support Program is being as independent as possible. Or and if you ha- if you've had a setback, getting back to where you were previously. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think sometimes people aren't aware of just how many services they can access through CHIS. Yeah, you touched on cleaning and gardening, and I think they're really common ones. But I think sometimes there's so many other things that sit within that. So jump in here with me. But there's obviously access to things like social support if you just mm-hmm. want some social interaction, or you need yeah. someone to help take you out and do your shopping transport if you need if you're not driving anymore and you need transport to appointments or if you just don't feel comfortable driving to certain things Mm -hmm. things like in-home respite if someone's living with dementia and they need some additional respite assistance so that their carer or loved one can go out and do other tasks on their own personal care so assistance with showering Mm -hmm. and then all your kind of allied health services i guess as well so around physio ot And in that, I think interestingly, and one that doesn't get touched on a lot is um, kind of basic home modifications. So things like grab rails, um, door catches, like the magnetic door catches, those kind of things I think people don't realize they can access. Yeah, yeah, they certainly can. So equipment Mm -hmm. and like I said, there's basic home modifications. So just some, some things around the house to make things safer and to make things a little bit easier. There's such a variety of services. Day programs. Day programs, definitely. Um, Bus trips, art groups, all of those are actually, and people might not realize because they're often through councils, but they Mm -hmm. are actually funded by the Commonwealth Home Support Program. That's such a good point. I know often people say, oh no, I just get it through my council, but the council's providing it through the Commonwealth Home Support Program. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The other probably big one in there, and I can't remember if I said it, but around allied health services. So Mm -hmm. I did physio exercise classes, podiatry, 
Yeah. Um, speech pathology, social work in some situations. There's a whole range of different allied health services that yeah. come under that too. And that can be used in conjunction with if you've got some uh, Medicare funded uh-huh. uh, allied health services through your GP, mm-hmm. through a chronic disease management plan. Commonwealth Home Support Program can be used in complement with, with that as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so worth being aware of because I think often the probably the most common one you hear it with is podiatry, podiatry. Where people have a chronic disease management plan through their GP where you get five free visits a year for mm-hmm. podiatry or for whatever help service they've Physio. given it for. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can still use that alongside your Commonwealth Home Support Program. So yeah. that's worth being aware of using both of those. So when people are assessed, they are given a whole list often of different CHISP codes that they can access. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for people to go about finding a provider? So that can be a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. When people are given, often, as you said, a list of referral codes, if you have a referral code for for gardening, if you have a referral code for cleaning, those are all separate referral codes. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, you need to find a provider for those services. So the assessor will approve you but you need to find someone to, to give you the service. So you can go on the My Age Care website. You can look at, it's called Find a Provider, where you put in your postcode, you put in the type of service you're looking for, and it'll give you a list of people in your area that are available for that service. What you commonly find is that there may not be anyone in your area that at that time is available to accept your referral code. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens more often than people expect. I think definitely people think you get your code, you're all set up, now someone's going to take on that service for you. But as we've kind of touched on before, there is such a high demand for aged care services that mm-hmm. the service providers themselves have limits about how many clients they can take on because obviously they need workers to be able to provide that service. So exactly, sometimes they can't take on extra clients. And I think that's a challenge people aren't often expecting is actually finding a provider that can do it for no. them. No, or the expectation that the onus or the responsibility is on them to find a service provider. Yeah, 100%. Um, a lot of clients do think that once they've gone, and, and I can understand this, they've gone through the My Care process, they've gone through the assessment process, they then are expecting a call from a provider to provide them that service. Mm-hmm. And that's not generally what happens is that you you may need to find a provider the assessor in some cases may make that referral code uh, what they call they broadcast it they send it to everyone every provider that provides that service in your area to provide that service for you so whoever is available will pick that up and then you would get a call saying we're going to provide that service generally you will be aware that the assessor has has chosen to do that because they do need your consent to do that and they may say look can i send this to whoever to who's who's Mm -hmm. open you will in that circumstance of course lose control over who is providing your services Mm. and and sometimes you can broadcast it and nobody picks it up yeah so in those circumstances when you do have a referral code and you're not seeing the availability on my care website you can also call my care and Ask them if it who's available. If you if you're not sort of you know computer savvy or don't have someone that could look up on the computer, they can tell you who's available in your area as well. But what can as you said sometimes happen is that you've got this referral code and you've got nobody to give it to to provide you with your service. Mm-hmm. In those circumstances, I recommend um, firstly if you know some providers in your area or you've had some experiences with providers previously to make a call directly to that provider and say, hey, look, I've got this referral code. Could you provide me with this service? This is what I'm looking for. They might say to you, look, don't have availability now, but we will in two weeks' time. And Mm -hmm. that might be suitable and you can work around that. Or they might say, look, actually, you know, 
Amanda, we, we know you, we provide you with a service, we will take your referral code. Even though they're showing a My Age Care is not available, yeah. sometimes having that personal one-on-one chat and, and, and saying, could you, mm-hmm. um, opens the door. Yeah. If you get really stuck and no one will take your referral code, then I, I recommend going back to the assessor that that assessed you and, mm-hmm. and letting them know that that's the situation, that, that you've got this and, and you can't find anyone to provide it for you. And I think that's such a good point because I think so often people will go back to my age care mm-hmm. when they can't find anyone to provide the service. And I know we've spoken about before that can really muddy the waters a little. And- exactly. And sometimes the assessors as well will make individual calls to providers. Mm-hmm. That's not uncommon. Um, I, yeah, I do recommend going back to, to, to the assessor. You, you sh- At the time of the assessment, you should be given the assessor's contact numbers. You should know they, they should provide you with who the agency was that provided your assessment. You may give them a call and they may say, look, you, you need to go through the My Age Care process if, and, and do a re-referral. If you need to do that, of course, you need to follow the advice from, from the assessment agency. But you do have every right to call and say, I've had this assessment. This is what I've been approved for. Mm-hmm. Can I uh, can I have some, assess, uh, some assistance accessing these services? Yeah, absolutely. So worth being aware of. So if you have got multiple CHISP referrals, how many of those, I know there's um, some guidelines around it, but how does that work in terms of how many CHISP services you can provide? Because I know sometimes people will have five different CHISP services on the go mm-hmm. at once and sometimes people are using one or two what what's the kind of limits or maximums around that mm-hmm. so you there is definitely guidelines but they are pretty loose guidelines i think if you take it back to to what that program what this program is that it is really for, for someone who has you know low needs not not complex um service requirements then it sort of guides guides you on um what where where the level of service should be but in saying that, the guidelines do also state um, that that Commonwealth Home Support Program services can't eclipse, um, shouldn't say can't, but shouldn't eclipse a level one home care package. Mm-hmm. So that gives you an idea. And, and that's across the board. That's not one particular referral code. That's that, that, that whole program shouldn't eclipse a home care package level one. For example, for in-home services, a guideline that most providers sort of stick with is around between one to two hours of in-home services a week. Mm-hmm. And that can be complemented with some allied health or some social programs. But again, being really mindful that those services don't start to, to accumulate to be more than a home care package. And I think coming back to being aware of if you're finding you're needing more than that, going back to your assessor or back to my age care to really request that either reassessment if you if you're not on the wait list for a home care package mm-hmm. if you are on the wait list potentially a reprioritization so there are different home care package priorities they mm-hmm. have a low medium and high to be honest it is incredibly challenging to get a high priority one and they've got quite strict requirements around that but it's definitely worth reporting it back to them if you're finding the chis program isn't meeting your needs because I think sometimes the challenging ones we see is where people have just been getting by with CHISP services and they kind mm-hmm. of every three months add an extra CHISP service on, an extra CHISP service on, and they end up with quite complex care needs that are being met by all these different providers without anyone overseeing or coordinating their care like they would on a home care package. So I think if you are finding that the CHISP program is you're needing more hours or you're finding you're accessing what well, 
five plus different codes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then it's worth going back to them and saying, look, my needs are actually above the CHIST services now. Here's what I'm requiring. This is why I need a home care package or this is why I need to be reprioritized. Definitely. And it is that which can be challenging, that advocacy and that agitation around that really you are not on the appropriate level of care and, mm. and advocating to, to be reprioritized, to be put on the appropriate level of care. Mm. And you can enlist, you know, the service providers to to write support letters or to assist you with, the, with mm-hmm. those discussions during the reassessment process and also your doctor getting the, the appropriate, what is essentially your assessed level of care as quickly as possible. And I think probably the thing to be aware of, if you are going back to my age care or your assessor, they're going to probably want to know what's changed since your last assessment. So Mm -hmm. being aware of or having a list in advance of things that have changed since they assessed you last so you can really kind of demonstrate what your needs are now and how that's more than what it was previously, particularly when people are waiting, you know, a year, two years, three years Mm -hmm. for their approved level of home care package. A lot can change in that time. If you have a fall and go to hospital, if suddenly you have a turn in your health where you need more assistance at home, they're things they need to know so that they can come back out and reassess you and yeah, make sure you're getting the support that you need. Because I guess in some regards, if if they're not alerted to that, they're not going to know otherwise. Exactly. And it's that service creep that you were talking about before mm. is that services slowly creep up mm-hmm. and you're communicating with your provider and you think, well, yes, my provider knows my care needs because we've had to increase this and, and now we're utilizing this. But that the that, that my age care and the assessors don't necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. So then things, as you said, can creep. Yeah. Creep up, creep up, creep up. And then suddenly you are getting services from all of these different providers at a very mm-hmm. high intensity for an ongoing period and then yeah which is probably worth noting it's it's a challenge of the aged care system in itself like in an ideal world if people could be assessed for a home care package and get their home care package straight away it wouldn't be an issue but it is unfortunately the environment we're living in at the moment where the funding isn't quite there for it and realistically you are going to have a time where you're probably on the commonwealth home support program before you access your home care package. So I think they're all things worth being aware of because there will come times where you need to advocate for yourself, probably more under the Commonwealth Home Support Program than ever because Mm -hmm. you don't have anyone overseeing or coordinating that care for you. Mm -hmm. It's that sort of conflict and duality around, well, this is what the Commonwealth Home Support Program is designed and intended to do versus what it's it's being currently utilised for out of necessity and those those two things clash because they're not not the same so it's just worth knowing and being aware of what this program was designed for Mm -hmm. and that frustration that can often happen with clients where they they are receiving these commonwealth home support programs and they're not meeting their needs but when you understand the history of that and why how this program is being Mm -hmm. utilized i mean it's not going to alleviate those frustrations but i hope it gives people a higher level of understanding about why this program is, is just not not meeting what, yeah. what, what they need. Absolutely. And also why the service providers can't always impact or influence that. I think sometimes people think, oh, I need more cleaning. I'll just call my provider and they can add extra time. Well, they are actually working within those CHISP guidelines too, that it's not necessarily always up to the provider to say, oh, yeah, sure, you can have whatever extra you want. Exactly. They're not being deliberately obstructive. It's just... Yeah the providers do want to help and do want to provide mm. you with a service because they understand your waiting providers definitely understand that and a definite and there are providers that are there are definitely providing services 
outside of the scope of the home of the chisp guidelines um because they know people are waiting and they know they desperately need it Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're at the very limit of what they can provide so when you call up and say but actually but again service creep can i have a little bit extra Mm -hmm. that they're actually they've reached the very capacity of what they can provide for you yeah i also just wanted to touch on co-payments or contributions towards chisp services Mm -hmm. so is it called a co-payment or a contribution Um, or it varies Different is- providers can call it a copayment okay. or a contribution. Yeah. Um, some people just call it a fee. Okay. So Look, <laughs> fee, copayment, co-contribution, contribution, something along those it's lines. It's got a lot of different names, but essentially, yeah, there is some sort of... Yeah. Yeah. I suppose I, we could say contribution. We'll call it a contribution. For in-home services, it varies um, between providers, but it's usually between $12 to $15 an hour, like per hour. Mm-hmm. The contribution is, is on a per hour basis, which is a bit different to home care packages. It's also worth noting as well that the Commonwealth Home Support Program is not income or asset tested. So allied health services are, are usually around between $30 to $40. Social programs again vary between twenty five up to forty per day, depending. Yeah. But that can fluctuate if you're also um, accessing if they have a bus that comes and picks you up. That mm-hmm. can vary, but there there are um, fees associated with with yeah. this program. But in saying that, every provider must advise you of those fees at the time you're commencing, and you cannot be disadvantaged if you cannot afford that 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 contribution or that fee or that copayment every provider must have a financial hardship program. So if yeah. you are setting up services and you, and those these these fees or contributions or whatever you want to call them are outside of your financial means, every provider has a, has a financial hardship program. So yeah. I do always say to people, you, you cannot be disadvantaged mm-hmm. and, and but in your access of services based on your financial circumstances. So don't be scared to say, look, I actually that that's beyond my financial means. Can mm-hmm. I please have more information about your your hardship program? Yeah, such a good one to be aware of. Mm-hmm. I think that that whole co-payment or contribution thing is often something that people can get confused about by the time they get a home care package because they're used to paying say fifteen dollars an hour for their cleaning, and then they come to a home care package where the the full government cost is seventy dollars an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And that whole amount is subsidized through the home care package. And people yeah. feel like, well, I used to pay $15. Why is it now 70 But it was always 70 It's just on CHISP. The government was funding a portion of it versus the home care package. It's funding the whole amount of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll break that down more in the home care package <laughs> episode, but it's one worth being aware of. Yes, definitely. Um, we'll touch on briefly because it is a complex one, mm-hmm. but how CHISP services interact with home care packages. So... As a general rule, I think it's fair to say if once you've got a home care package, the idea is that you're not accessing Commonwealth Home Support services. Mm -hmm. However, there are some situations where you can continue accessing or later access CHISP services on top of your home care package. I think it's probably best to assume once you take your home care package, pretty much from the day that your new service provider takes your home care package, Mm -hmm. your Commonwealth Home Support Program services stop existing hot tip if you are receiving commonwealth home support services and then you take up a home care package it's very very important that you've had some discussions with um, your current chisp provider to sort of have those pre-discussions and negotiations around when services will cease and when the home care package would commence and that those discussions have happened prior Mm -hmm. to the home care package being accepted Mm -hmm. Because essentially once you once your provider takes your home care package code, it automatically notifies 
all your chist providers. Mm-hmm. Any other hot tips before we wrap up? There's so many, but I think again, it is just about how's that open communication with with your doctor, with your family, with your service provider around you know what's really going on with you and what you're struggling with, what you're doing well, what's what's getting a little bit harder, and and which I can appreciate can be quite challenging, but that open communication helps greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is about I suppose getting being prepared for for the weight that may happen with a home care package and being prepared for your interactions with the home, with the Commonwealth Home Support Program and what that looks like and how that that works and how it differs. Yeah. And empowering yourself with with that information which is another yeah, another goal of the of the podcast. You got it. <laughs> Using that sweet sweet knowledge to yep. go and create change. It exactly. is and I think I know you've touched on that but I think the CHIS program potentially more than any other stage of the aged care process, you really do have to advocate for yourself and your needs in that. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of the one responsible for flagging when your needs have gone beyond that because nobody is coordinating that care. So I think that's such a beautiful point to end on that use the knowledge to be able to go out there and advocate for yourself. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. And it's it's great to be a part of, of these discussions because like you said, it, something like this is just so important for everybody because mm-hmm. um, it's quite a challenging system to navigate. It sure is. Well, thanks for being a part of it and for helping. 